Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Lecture 8, Mark 1, 14 and 15. Jesus is the first to proclaim the gospel. That God, we come to you right now. We thank you and we love you. We appreciate your holy name. We, we, we ask right now for Rhonda, who is a great help to uh, her church and the army of God himself. And so, God, thank you that we're just praying right now. We're not just praying for less hours. We're praying for the hours that make her have fun every day at work, the hours that fit within her talents and her strengths, the hours that make her say, I didn't even know I was here this long. These are the type of hours in which we get. Now, if that's more, then we'll take that. If that's less, we'll take that too. But we want to take grateful happiness. I've been here eight hours, and I thought it was three type of hours, God. That's what we're asking for. And we believe we can ask for that because you said into this, uh, to your disciples, tell this mountain to be cast into the sea. And it shall be cast into the sea. So, God, we are praying a cast into the sea prayer. We're casting into the sea bad hours. We're casting into the sea bad vibes. We're casting into the sea waking up in the morning and wishing we were somewhere else. 
And while you're casting things into the sea, cast great, abundant resources into her bosom and bank account and overflow it until she has no more room to receive. And while you're doing that, Lord, don't forget the rest of us. Amen. We need things, too. In the name of Jesus, we've got about three different generations in this room right now. Some of us are just trying to uh, retire, enjoy retirement. Some of us, uh, it's my uncle, you said, went 84 years without going to the doctor. And we're just trying to be healthy, not just in mind, but health and wealth is all around. So that's body and spirit as well. We bless you and we thank you for this wonderful church and the two churches. And we ask that you bring your influx in the way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I find that. I'm glad you actually prayed for that. So welcome. Run is actually one of our good people. My wife just texted me. She's throwing up, et cetera, et cetera. So she'll be calling in for uh, this Sunday. Um, Mark chapter 1. And then we're going to do 14 through 15. But let's explain what's been happening for those of you who are new and for those of you who are not. This is week seven. Yes. We've been in a series called What If. This is it's, it's highly scholastic. It's extremely, it's way up there. The question is what if. And I pose the question, but the, the, the actual question is, what's the message of the New Testament if it only consisted of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Now, wow, that's, a, that's one heck of a question, right? That's a, it's a bold, it's a, it's a question that makes you think because the, the one thing we want to do is we want to go justification by faith, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, and, and Paul does a great job in, in, in receiving that doctrine from the Lord and, and giving us, writing that doctrine down very well for us to understand it. But justification is only used one time in the New Testament, excuse me, in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, specifically Luke, and the Pharisee and the tax collector. And Jesus himself says, this day, one is justified in front of the Father. But that's the only time. And he's not talking about, or not just talking about by faith. So we can't read Paul into the gospels. That's, that's normally what we normally do. We, since we have a great understanding of Paul, we take Paul, put on our lens of Paul, and then we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John through the lens of Paul. Does that make sense? We, we take, so we come into the gospel saying that Jesus said that the gospel is, I died for you. And, and well, if that's the case, then one can argue Jesus never preached the gospel. And as a matter of fact, you poll Christians and pastors they will tell you the gospel is not preached until Paul begins to preach it and starts in the uh, book of Acts and et cetera, et cetera, because how can you preach the gospel if it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Does that make sense? Surely you've heard this here. You've heard death, burial, and resurrection. If you go to 1 Corinthians 3 chapter, in which we will, not today though, I've been holding that off, but in which we will, Paul does define to us what the gospel is. But it's not something that Paul makes up. It's already this gospel culture that's out there. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Well, we get to that in weeks. But Paul says it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but not just that. Then he puts a comma and says, according 
to scriptures. Now, there's the, there's the key part, because what scriptures and why is it according to these scriptures? So basically, Paul is saying, listen, God did not make a mistake. He didn't start over because we messed up. As a matter of fact, Paul even goes so far to say that whether you stop sinning or not, whether you get your act together or not, God is still going to have his way. And that's powerful because it's almost the exact opposite of what we teach. But it shows you exactly how powerful God is. Now, before that rubs your, 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 your tradition the wrong way, now, now let's, let's, let's break down tradition and traditionalism for a second. Tradition is a good thing. Traditionalism is a bad thing. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Oh, I just said a whole lot right there, right? <laughs> Tradition is good. Don't kick it. Don't bump it. Tradition is good. People have died for something. Jesus Christ died. Martin Luther King died. There, there's great things that have happened in tradition that we benefit from today. Two things that we can take inside of a biblical context. Jesus Christ died. Whew, Lord have mercy. That made me feel good. That is tradition in itself, right? Not only is it factual, but it's tradition, which means that since he died and was risen again, excuse me, and rose from the dead, then we too would be able to rise from the dead. So that means no matter what you're going through, there's some stuff in your life you just know you will get past because if Jesus, if Jesus came out the grave, you can come out your situation. Does that make sense? Okay. That's part of it. Now we go into, okay, that's tradition is that he died, but he also lived. So if Jesus lived, then that means there's clearly some things in your life that you're going to need the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to deal with. You're going to need to know that greater is he who's in you than the power that's in the world. You're going to need to know that because he lived, you can too. You're going to need to know that because he was wounded and still standing, you can be too. You're going to need to know because he's the slain lamb standing, according to uh, uh, Revelation, you can too. But you're also going to need to know that Jesus lived and walked towards a terrible situation in which he knew he was going to die. So you're going to need to know that, yea, though you walk through the valley of shadow of death, Jesus did it, so can you. It has nothing to do with his death. You're going to need to know that just because Caesar wanted something, God also wanted something. And you're going to need to know how to toe the line of giving to God what is God and giving to Caesar what is Caesar because that's part of his life. There's some things, there's some faith you're going to need to have. There is some faith that you're going to need to have that you're going to get because he died and there's some faith you're going to need to have because he lived. And Paul says, not just because Jesus dies, but according to scriptures, he has been promised. Good to see you, man. He has been promised. Uh, we have been promised some certain things. So back to the question. What if? Right? What, what is the message of the New Testament if it only consisted of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That totally takes out justification by faith, and it takes out a whole lot of stuff that you know. So, so if I was to ask you right now, what does it mean uh, to be saved? Almost everybody here would go, go to heaven. But does Jesus spend a lot of time preaching about heaven? I'm not saying he doesn't. Of course, today he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He does say, he clearly says that. He does say, I go uh, to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions. He, he clearly says this in John chapter 14. But there's, there's, there's more, right? There, there's more. And then if that doesn't help you or if that doesn't hurt your theology, heaven and earth shall pass away. 
Amen. All right? But the word shall stand forever. That's actually in Isaiah before there was ever a New Testament, right? So we can't even say, well, this is some New Testament. This is No, Isaiah said that in the Old Testament that the people are like grass and the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word shall stand forever. Jesus even comes and say, listen, I saw, well, in Revelation, John, the bishop of the churches, John, said, and I said that because I'm one, I'm of the custom. I don't think John gospel, John the letters and John of Revelation is the same person. That's just me. Um, I, there are many people who disagree with me and they would have a right to do so. Right. Just like I can pose an argument against them. It, it's just one of the things. But anyway, Revelation, he would say, I saw a new heaven and a new earth descending upon uh, the earth and the old heaven and the old earth had passed away. So your goal should not be trying to escape this earthly life and float off and be a spirit floating in heaven. That's incorrect theology. And we, we, this world is filled with too many people like that. Because the truth is, a lot of us, and this is a popular saying, are so heavenly bound, we're no earthly good. We're, we're so focused on our future blessing that we don't do anything right now to change this world. We don't attend church because, you know, the Lord knows my heart. No need for me to go to church. Pastor got it. I don't need to tithe. No, no, no. Don't need to do that. You know, well, I, I, I cuss her out right now because the Lord knows my heart. I'm just angry right now. And we forget the fact that, or we don't know the fact that Jesus died. So the change happens now. So, here's a question. Let's see if we can answer this. And it's a trick question, but who first preached the gospel? Who's the first person, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who's the first person to ever, or, or actually, no, 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 let me not do that. Who, according to the entire New Testament, who used the word gospel and said, I am preaching the gospel? Okay, John, John is, okay, fair enough. Fair enough, and that, that, I couldn't disagree with that. John, for sure, you know, he, yeah, right? Uh, we got Paul. Paul definitely says it. Okay, so watch this here. Let's go to Mark chapter 14. I mean, excuse me, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. So we've discovered, I did five of these in Matthew. Now we did one in Mark. We actually did last week, 9 through 13. And so now we're going to do 14. Now, I'm reading for the English Standard Version. Now after John was arrested. Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the what? What you say, gospel of God, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in what? Interesting. Very interesting. It's, it's, it's been there. It's been on our nose forever, right? For thousands of years now, it's been there to where Mark calls it the gospel, and then Jesus Christ himself, that's written in red, right? If you got a little red letter print, Jesus Christ says, repent, believe in the gospel. Most scholars will tell you, 90% of scholars will tell you that Mark is the first person written, the first person to write the gospel, and they're dated about 65, 70 AD. So let me explain a few things to you real quick. There's a theory called the Mark Q uh, theory, meaning that Mark wrote first. Luke and Matthew used Mark as a source, 
And then there was some other source, come on in, there's some other source material that they just call Q. It's a, it's a, a German word. It kind of means unknown or something like that. I can't exactly remember what it means. But his, this is why you have the synoptic gospels, one vision, one view, you know, synoptics. And so you have it to where Mark is clearly the person who wrote first because Luke kind of hints later on in his gospel that the temple is destroyed. Um, that happens in 70 AD. Like we know this from historical uh, extra biblical and then history. We just know this from historical facts that the temple fell in 70 AD because Romans were very good at writing their success stories. Right? History is written by the winners. Right? So we know for sure that that happened. So you have to date Mark before that because Mark seems to have no knowledge of this here. Now I said all that to say this here. Basically, if you were to take into account that Mark is the first gospel written, Mark is the first person to say that Jesus Christ is preaching the gospel. And then he quotes Jesus Christ himself saying, preaching the gospel. Let's read, these. Let's read this again because this, this verse is fully loaded. <clears throat> now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what if the gospel, what if the New Testament only contained Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? What exactly is the message of the gospel? Or what in lies the message of the New Testament? Because for you that just walked in, we've been, this is seven weeks now. You can no longer say that the gospel is justification by faith. Nor can you no longer say the gospel has anything to do with salvation. Not to say that salvation does not flow from the gospel. Not a byproduct from the gospel. But salvation does not hinge on, or gospel, the gospel does not hinge on salvation. There's something different about salvation that happens. And it flows from the gospel. But what is the gospel, right? Like, like that's the question. So I explained it this way. I am not by any means saying that Paul says something different from Jesus. That is absolutely insane. I would never say that. And I'm way too conservative to do such a thing. There's not a mistake in the Bible. Not one. Amen. Amen. It is not one. And, and I, what I am definitely saying in all our faces is we just don't understand Paul so much that we just mess up all this stuff. That, I'm clearly saying that. I'm clearly saying that we follow Paul more than we follow Christ. And they don't, we don't really know what the gospel actually is. Because we've, we've lost some things. Not that we've lost some understanding. We just, we just don't do what Pastor Temple say. And we don't go back and search the scriptures. <laughs> right? Every time you let Pastor Temple get up and talk, he's going to tell you to search the scriptures and show yourself approved. All the time he says that because he wants you to go back and search the scriptures. So what if, what's the, what is this gospel? We've, we talked about it. We've, we talked about it in Matthew, how Matthew was trying to tell us that Jesus was a lawgiver, just a much better one. Uh, Moses gave the law. Jesus gave a better law. We, we, we've talked about a lot of things in Matthew, but now we're looking at what Mark says. And Mark immediately opens up and he tells you that Jesus 
walks into some water and then immediately the sky opens up and the first time ever all three entities of the uh the god the father son and holy spirit are in the same place at the same time as broken world can see it because the truth is in the garden of eden they were always together right they were together because jesus excuse me god walked with man on land and ruled and excuse me and man ruled with him he said it genesis chapter 1 verse 26 let us make man in our image and then i want this man to have dominion you can't have a dominion without domain i want this man to rule with me but we fooled around messed up and tried to rule as him and we've been messing up ever since and the truth is every sin you've ever committed every time you've ever jumped outside the ark of safety it's because you in your life stop ruling with god and start ruling as god you did that to yourself you, you absolutely did it to yourself. So Jesus, so Mark says that Jesus is saying, now after John, who's John? John, I told you, according to Matthew, well, not according to Matthew, but when we were talking in Matthew, that I kind of made a joke that John is the last of the Old Testament prophets. He's just found in the New Testament. Right? So what does the Old Testament prophet does? do? An Old Testament prophet foretells the coming of Jesus Christ. So before there was a Jesus Christ, well, before people knew the Messiah had came upon earth, uh, John was preaching that there is one. I I'm doing this, but there's one coming after that does a whole lot more than this. I I'm doing it with water, but he's going to give it to you with some fire, you know, things like that. I can't even lace his sandals because I'm so unworthy. I'm I, I can't even hold a candlestick to what he actually is. So Mark says, now after John. Now, now to a first century Jew, they would immediately know that John was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. In fact, they, were so, they knew John was so powerful that according to John, the gospel John, the fourth uh, gospel, they asked him later, and we'll go over this later, they asked him, well, hey, are you the prophet? Um, you know, are, are you the one that Moses was talking about in Deuteronomy? No. Well, are, are you uh, Elijah? Because are, are you the one that Malachi was talking about? Are you the one that we've been waiting for? And this is why they get so angry with uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 4, because Jesus says, well, the one you've been waiting for is the one you're looking at. Right? And, and well, hold on now. We can't. Now, now, that doesn't make sense because the one we've been waiting for is robed in gold. He's 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 strong. He, he has a sword that he's willing to defeat our enemies who happen to be Rome, and you're, you're, you're broke. You, you're poor. You stink. You're just a peasant. Your teeth aren't... Okay, you do understand. I, I need you to get the image that you have of Jesus Christ that they spend billions of dollars trying to give to you. That's probably not. First off, there were no toothbrushes. That didn't even happen to like the, the 19th century. So <laughs> everybody's teeth were probably messed. They were not as put together. You do see these movies in these pictures, right? Like I'm, I'm, you, you understand that everybody didn't have lace front perms and stuff. Okay, amen. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And so they're looking at this Jesus who doesn't own anything, who doesn't have anything who has no children, so that's, that's it's, it's equally bad for a woman not to have a child. It's probably worse, but then if you're a man, then what's wrong with you? Right? Okay, if you don't think that, 
You think it every time you see a 45-year-old single man with no kids. Something must be wrong with him. Hey, okay then. All right then, right? And so now here you have it. This, this 30-something, you <laughs> He has no kids. Whoa, 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 hold, hold on. And you're broke? I see why you ain't got no kids. You're broke. He, he, and he's saying, but I'm the king. Well, well you can't be the king. You, you're not the one we've been waiting for. The one we've been waiting for is, well, he looks better than you. Don't you, don't you get that? Like every time we, every time we, someone, someone 17 years old get called to preach, we go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to grow up a little bit first before you. Come on now. Come on, come on. Amen. You got, before you, you ain't been through nothing yet. How are you going to give me the word? And so they're like, well, Jesus, you, 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 dude, we know you. I, I, I know your mama. I know all your cousins. You, they used to do the same thing that I used to do when I was doing it with them. And you're saying you're the king. And watch what Mark says. Mark says, but listen, now after John, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into another poor place. So this poor man, this king is, you, 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 you messing around with Galilee? Really? That's, remember when he says, is there any good thing that ever came from Nazareth? I need you to understand this, this, this whole, this, this, he come, this, he's going to the hood. This, this, kings don't do that. Come on. You know how you call yourself kings and queens? And it's just some people you just don't deal with. Like you, you used to deal with them. But now you're like, I can't do that no more because I've grown. Uh, I left the hood. I'm in the suburbs now. I don't do that. And so Mark is saying, listen, this poor man, this, this, this guy that you, you don't know, this, this guy you're talking about, he's getting ready to tell you what the gospel is. As a matter of fact, Mark says exactly Jesus came in proclaiming the gospel of God. And then he tells you what the gospel is. He says three things. He says, the time is fulfilled, number one. The kingdom of God is at hand, number two. Repent and believe in the gospel, number three. Just like a good Baptist preacher, he's got three points. He's, he's telling you the time is at hand, right? The time, the time is at hand, and then I need for you to know that the kingdom of God is near and repent. So Mark says, Jesus himself says, the kingdom of God is here. Jesus preached the gospel. He tells you the time. What time? What time is at hand? So you ever want to know what the gospel was or get more hint of what the gospel is? Jesus tells you, well, the time is at hand. What time? Well, the time in which all the Old Testament prophets, this is why John opens up. By, I mean, Mark opens up by saying, John, this last, of, I did that on purpose. I told you that a couple of weeks ago, the last of the Old Testament prophets on purpose to try to trigger your brain. John's, Mark says, yeah. What they've been talking about, it, it's, it's arrived. And this isn't Mark saying, this is Jesus Christ himself. Remember, Jesus Christ is, Christ is not his last name. Christ is a messianic title. Christ is a title. Christ means king. King. Hebrew means anointed one. They all, Messiah. They, they all mean king in English. So Jesus, the king. This king who's going to rule the world, save the world, and change the world says, the time has been fulfilled, I'm here. So part of the gospel, for sure, is the close of the Mosaic law. It's the, what was there at first has now come to an end. 
I'm not saying it, it's been destroyed. I'm saying it's closed. Here's a new. And, and that ought to make you feel very good because you've got some chapters in your life that you should thank God for that they're closed. Because you haven't been all saved. You, you didn't really be as positive as you claimed to be. You didn't really change the way your New Year's resolution said. You, you didn't really stop things in 2002 that you promised yourself you would and you wouldn't do it again because it happened in 2001. Some of that stuff you brought with you. You didn't really become a new creature as the word says because you put new wine in your old skin. And Jesus says, listen, the time has been fulfilled. Every single thing that the Lord has promised you has been fulfilled. Everything. It's literally fulfilled through me. So that proves two things. For one, it shows you how bad of a man Jesus was. Number one. Two, it also shows you that God is not a liar. God promised, so he fulfilled. Because if God ever, ever... so. Let's, let's, let's see if I can make it work this way. If I tell you, go ahead and die, I'll resurrect you from the dead. Would anybody believe me? No? Nobody believe me? You know why? Because I'm a liar. Right? Because I've committed adultery. Because I've cussed. Because I am not perfect. Does that make sense? Like, you know not to believe me because you know there's something wrong with me. As a matter of fact, you'll know for sure if I haul off and say I can resurrect you from the dead and something really wrong with me, get him out of here. And so the Jews are having a problem with this because it doesn't seem like God has fulfilled what they have promised. But God did, and he did it through Jesus Christ. And the reason that you can believe in the resurrection is not because Jesus died. It's because God kept his word and sent him. So a big part of the gospel is God fulfilled every promise he made through the nation of Israel. He promised them a lot of things. And he said, and Jesus says, the time has been fulfilled. And you should be very glad that you got some stuff in your life that God hooked up and it had nothing to do with you. This, these people were still sinning. The world was still a messed up place. There was no iPhone. That's, I'm just going to throw that in there to see if he was awake. Right? There's still a messed up place. The world was bad. They are not doing what is right, yet God still fulfills his promises. Hey, don't miss that because, because, because you got some stuff that you're working on that's only going to get fulfilled because God's going to work on it. It has nothing to do with you. As you. And be glad it has nothing to do with you. Be glad that the time for your promise is to be fulfilled because God says it so. Because if he had to judge on your character, it would never be fulfilled. Amen. And so Jesus says, well, the time is fulfilled. Then he says, the kingdom of God. <laughs> Very quickly, in the last five minutes, let me tell you about this kingdom of God. This, this gospel has always been about ushering in the kingdom of God. It, it, it has always been about taking what was good and bringing it to what was broken. You ever, you ever knew you should have lost your mind in a situation but didn't lose it? It's because there was a peace inside of you that was surpassing all understanding. You should have lost it all. You, matter of fact, 
some of you should even be standing today. Like, they, you got some folks trying to take you out. You got some folks trying to take you out recently. You shouldn't even be in here with a smile. Matter of fact, you ain't really smiling. On the inside, you're broken. But you can still stand because you have resurrection power. And so Jesus says, well, this kingdom of God is it's, it's near. It's, it's, it's coming. As a matter of fact, the mere fact that I'm on earth and I'm not from earth shows you that it's on earth. And wherever I go, I take the kingdom of God with me. This is why Jesus could point and people were healed. This is why Jesus can touch folk and people were healed. This is why Jesus could forgive folk. Heart one. And people were healed. Because the kingdom of God lived in him. And so wherever he went, he brought God with him. But, not, but where there's God, there's power. Where, God, where you take God, you also take breakthrough. Where, everywhere Jesus went, no matter how bad the situation was, prosperity followed him. He was so perfect. He was so in tune with God that God had no choice but to submit to his behavior because he was actually submitting to himself. And now God has put himself in you. And you can actually have anything that you want. I give you the desires of your heart. That's that's, that's in the Bible, right? Amen. That's in the Bible. But the problem is we spend more time submitting to us. And then we say, God, submit to me. But God says, I'll do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or think if you submit to me. And then I have no choice but to submit to the me in you. Because no way in the world I'm going to let me struggle. Come on, I wish I'm making this very plain. God is not going to let himself struggle. So when he sees himself in you and he sees you in a struggling situation, he makes crooked places straight. And rough places smooth because he will not get the glory not being able to defeat a situation he's in. Golly. Okay. So the, the kingdom of God is here. The time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here. What is this kingdom of God? It is literally what was up there is now here. And Jesus died and was rose again. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit came and now the kingdom of God is with you. You are now little bitty walking Jesus Christ. Literally. The theosis captures it better. Theosis says it this way. God became man so man can go up and become God. Little g. Little g. Little g. Right? Amen. amen right? But that, that is theosis in, in a nutshell. Hard for us to accept it in Western theology. But God became man. What was perfect became put on imperfection. He, say, he stayed perfect. Amen. That made, it made me hurt a little bit. Here, right? Put on imperfection so imperfection can put on him. And so that's what happened. And then he says, but none of this You get none of this power. You get none of it if you don't repent and believe in everything I just said for the last 25 minutes. Like, if if you're not going to, guys, if if you're not going to work on the fact that God is supposed to work on you by working in you, then you, then you you don't succeed. You can do all the right things right. You can start something. You can, you can invest in exactly the right stocks to invest in that should go up. And God will make sure yours never do. 
The whole stock market will crash around you, and he'll make sure your stock always goes up. Or the whole stock market can go up around you, and he'll make sure you'll always stay at a plateau because the power that's working in you is working against him. But if the power that's working in you is actually working with him, then he has no choice but to submit to himself to get out of the devil's situation. Because the devil has never had more power than God. So what's the gospel in this particular situation? Repent. But don't just repent because you're sinning. No. Give your flesh to him. Give what's wrong with you to him. And when you give what's wrong with you to him, then he'll fulfill every single thing you want because he'll submit to himself. And that's only possible because the time had been fulfilled. Not because you were obedient. Not because you are whatever it is that you want to say holy about yourself. Simply because God said it in the beginning. And he had a plan in the end. And he said, now my power is on earth. And if you take his power on earth, you'll never actually have much of a problem on earth. God, we come to you right now. And we thank you for a clearer understanding. Maybe we are... No, we, we actually need to do better. We, how we take you for granted so much. We, we don't really do what we should. In fact, we spend most of our days on our autopilot, and the only time we actually express ourselves is when we're angry. But none of that is the kingdom of God, because the kingdom speaks life, but Satan's kingdom speaks death. But if the kingdom of God is at hand and if it's near, then we shall only be speaking life. We should only be getting angry with the things you're angry with. We should forgive people so much. People think we don't have any feelings at all. Because all we do is forgive. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world. Not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me. As... It almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions. $22 an hour. Paid training. And I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True. But it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter. And that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. 
As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder (laughs) that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if the if it's if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review Uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out, uh, review and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about? Well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. All spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-S. I T E R ziprecruiter dot com slash B to B. And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ziprecruiter dot com slash B to B. It's also in the show notes.